Akuriabe, I'm Selena. Akure de la Hale, this is Carol. Welcome everyone, this is the Peace Corps Tales podcast. This is episode number 11. Uh, a quick disclaimer first, this podcast is not affiliated with the U.S. Peace Corps or U.S. government. All thoughts, opinions, and recollections are for informational purposes only and to allow listeners a chance to hear Peace Corps Tales from returned Peace Corps volunteers. Oh, and Carol, before we get to the um, actual interview, I wanted to tell you we had our first rating on iTunes. So I'm going to read it. <laughs> okay, yes, I'm excited. So we got a five star from Belle Air, um, I, or Belle Air. <laughs> sorry. Uh, and it says, the podcast with Carol made me feel at times like I was in Madagascar myself. Take a listen and get a glimpse of what it's like to be in Peace Corps. Lots of great humor between the host and the guest. I hope to listen to many more tales to come. So thank you to the oh person who God. gave us our first rating. It was very exciting to see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of sad that there's no other way to see people's comments or ratings, but you know what? Maybe that's a good thing, because if they're all negative, <laughs> like, we don't <laughs> Let's get to our tales. So hello, Jessica. How are you? Good. Hello. How are you? So everyone, I'm doing great. And I'm actually really excited to talk with Jessica today because we were sorority or we are sorority sisters. I mean, just because we graduated doesn't mean it's over. But um, we were both a part of the same fraternity when we were in undergrad. So it's been like I've known Jessica about eight years, I think, or maybe longer, actually, probably 10 and it's just kind of cool that now we get to talk about Peace Corps, which is like a whole nother experience, a whole nother group. And so, Jessica, can you please tell us a little bit about your background before we get into your interview? Uh, like she said, I'm Selena's sorority sister, and we had a great time in college. Um, we Both of us were very philanthropic, just like our souls. You know, we focused more on building the, the sisterhood. We focused more on you know, like serving others. And our philanthropy was breast cancer awareness and education. And I think both of us took that to heart. Like we really wanted to make a difference and raise money for that. So I'm happy to, you know, be here with Selena again after all these years. Um, but so a little bit more about my background. Buona ziua. Um, my name is Jessica. Um, Sun Jessica. Let's see. I served in Moldova. It's a small uh, southeastern country in uh, Europe. It was a Soviet country until 1992. Um, and I served only nine months uh, because I ended up getting evacuated um, because of COVID-19 in March. I lived in um, Stefanest in Florest, which is a couple hours north of the capital uh, by bus. It was a smaller country, a quarter the size of Arizona, where I currently live in terms of you know, not population, but like distance, but you, it would take a lot longer to travel across just because the roads were horrible. Um, and I was a Peace Corps or I was in uh, the education sector in Peace Corps and it was a, an amazing experience anyways. <laughs> well, thank you so much for telling us about that. I can't believe your country was like a quarter of the size of the state that you currently live in. I can't even imagine. That's so tiny. Um, did you ever actually travel across it at any point throughout your service? You know, I didn't travel like for, like it's kind of um, 
it's kind of like a moon shape almost, like a half moon shape. And so I never went from like the top to the bottom, but I did visit like the top at one point and I visited the bottom at one point and it was, um, both times were quite experiences, you know, um, there, they have one main highway that was developed. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a highway, not a freeway. They don't have freeways. Um, and it was like really nice cause it was just done a couple of years ago, but everything else is potholes galore. And so you're going 35 miles an hour, maybe 50 bouncing up and down, you know, in a bus with, you know, a hundred other people. I don't know. Okay. It's not hundred cause it's actually like a smaller bus. Like it's supposed to be for like a 12 passenger, but they've got like, you know, 30 or 40 people in there. Um, yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, it took like, you know, five or six times as long to travel, you know, just that distance what? compared to Arizona. So it was, a, yeah, traveling was a very interesting experience. Yeah, we can relate to you 100% because that's how it was in Madagascar where we had like one good highway because, yeah, they didn't have freeways. <laughs> And all the rest were, like, dirt roads, like, really rocky. Like, they attempted to make a road with rocks, and then it, like, fell apart. And so... Right, washed away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I did want to ask, so more towards what it was like to be evacuated, because you did say your service ended six months, or you had nine months of service, and it was premature, because we know it's 27 months usually. Like, how much time were you allotted to pack and say goodbye to any of your counterparts and how was it communicated with you from Peace Corps? Well, it was interesting because we were evacuated, I think it was like March 15th and it must have been two or three weeks prior to that. We started hearing news about, you know, this, you know, virus that was going around. We started hearing about like China being evacuated and, you know, like other like little developments just, you know, kind of through the grapevine. Um, and then about, maybe 10 days prior to evacuation, or probably, I think Peace Corps said, they, you know, they sent out an announcement, just so you know, we are aware of the situation, we um, know what's going on, right now everything's, you know, everything's fine, like, as long as we can get you guys out of the country safely and easily, we will do that, but right now, you know, you guys are probably, you guys are really safe because you're isolated, and we don't have much, um, you know, flow between countries, so, you know, you're not going to have to worry. Like, we're pretty sure you're not going to be evacuated. I mean, you know, take this break because it was like a three-day break during school, you know, and just like get to know your, you know, get to know who you haven't yet and take the time off. It's fine. Everything's great. And then, like, you know, to like the day we were supposed to start school, you know, school's like, sorry, we're not going back to school. Like, we're just going to hold off. And then Peace Corps like, yeah, we're just going to ride the wave right now and see what happens. And, you know, they're very reassuring and, you know, we will get you out if we need to, but right now we don't deem it necessary. And here's the steps that we would take if, if we do need to. So just so you're aware, but we don't think anything's going to happen. And then flights started shutting down and, you know, the United States is like, Oh, we're going to close our borders now. And we're, you know, our, all of us are thinking, well, I mean, we're probably safer here because we don't have as many, you know, like, people don't visit us, you know? Like, I mean, in terms of Moldova, like, people don't come to Moldova much. And so we're like, oh, it's fine. And then uh, a few days later, it was like, actually, um, start packing. We might be taking you out. You know, this is, like, the first phase. We're not sure, but get ready and start saying goodbyes just in case. And then 
we were told on a Friday, okay, like we're evacuating you, you know, so, but we're giving you until Monday. So we had like officially three days to say goodbye. We weren't ripped out of our homes or anything, you know, but it was sad because as a teacher, I wasn't able to like go around and say goodbye because we were under quarantine by that time. And so I said goodbye to a couple of, you know, like my, my closer older students, but you know, I'm, I wasn't going to walk around to every person in, in our town because, I mean, we had we had a couple thousand people. It was sad because I couldn't just say, okay, like, to every class, like, I'll see you later. Like, I love you guys. Great job, you know, for those of you who tried and great job for those of you who didn't. And <laughs> uh, you know, normal kids. And, um, yeah, so we had a couple of days and got to say goodbye to the, you know, the core people and also the ones that felt comfortable because, you know, some people were taking it more serious, you know, like, no, like, we don't want any contact with anyone, you know, our kids aren't going outside, like, you know, the whole town just, like, everything just stopped, you know, and then it was, um, yeah, so then we got on our, our bus with all of our other Peace Corps volunteers, went to the Capitol, and then the interesting thing was, at the Capitol, oh my goodness, it was, it took us six days to get out from the Capitol, they were, like, Monday night, they're, you know, they were like, okay, we've got you here. It's, it's noon Monday and we have a flight at six o'clock. So we need to do all of your paperwork now. And it was like anybody who was, um, you know, with, with, in their first year, they're like, we're just going to keep you on as, you know, like you're still going to be a Peace Corps volunteer and we'll come, we'll bring you back in a couple months, you know, or a couple weeks or, you know, whatever. And so we're like, okay, great. Like, this is awesome. And then, you know, we, <laughs> We get all of our paperwork done, and actually, yeah, no, I don't remember. Okay, so, yeah, we get all our paperwork done, and then, like, that 6 o'clock time comes around, and it was like, oh, actually, the plane got delayed in, like, Jordan, so, like, they're going to come tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, you know, at 3 o'clock in the morning. So, you know, we're like, okay, well, we, we're going to get you situated until, like, 1 o'clock in the morning, so just be ready to come downstairs and, you know, with everything. And so we did, we had already done like a trial run loading us onto the buses. We have these two charter buses, you know, and we've got like, I don't know, a hundred Peace Corps volunteers, you know, and like, you know, logistics. And then it was like, um, one o'clock rolls around and I remember rolling out my suitcase and I'm all tired because I didn't sleep, you know, and like I get to the elevator and then like one of my closer friends, she like gets, she's in the elevator and she says, go back to sleep. I'm like, what? What? Are you serious? Like, okay. And she's like, yeah, they'll call us when it, when it's ready. And so I'm like, what? Don't leave me. Okay. Make sure you don't leave me here. And then so, so they're like, no, we think it'll be here at 5 a.m. It's like, then we got a text, you know, it'll be here at 5 a.m. And so I'm like, I'm going to sleep. Like, I can't do this. And so it's like every couple hours, it was just like, no, sorry, it's delayed. Like, it's delayed. It's delayed. And so anyways, I wake up like it was like nine o'clock in the morning or something the next morning. And we're like, I hope they didn't leave us. <laughs> so we're like, we slept through our, you know, if anybody texted or called, like we didn't answer, like nobody knocked on our door. Okay, whatever. So they're like, come down to breakfast, you know, we're going to have a meeting. And so we have a meeting, you know, we go down to breakfast and it's this nice, like, you know, a nice little spread, like just like fruits and vegetables, normal, like, you know, just a nice spread. 
we're, we get our, our, our uh, briefing for the day, and they're like, okay, they're going to be here at 1 o'clock, so we need to be at the airport at 1 o'clock. And we're like, okay, this is awesome. And then so we all load up into the buses, you know, at 1 o'clock after we eat lunch and, you know, we're hanging around or whatever. We drive to the airport, and we get, like, in in sight of the airport. We can see the airport, and we pull off to the side of the road. And they're like, okay, guys, just so you know, we're going to wait here. There's a grassy knoll right here if you're interested. <laughs> so go ahead and, like, get out if you want or stay in if you want. Like, it's just going to be, like, another, like, 45 minutes before we can get in the airport because the airport was closed and quarantined, and they weren't letting anyone just in there to chill. And so, you know, so, like, two hours pass. Three hours pass. <laughs> we're just chilling on the, you know, <laughs> and we're just, you know, we start playing games and we're like, can we like order pizza? <laughs> you know, like, like we're getting hungry <laughs> and, and sun. I mean, it was cold, like it, you know, it's still like winterish, um, you know. So it was, it was like probably like 60s or something. Like, it was comfortable. And then after you know, like that three hours, like someone with a like a TV camera comes. And they like set up and they're like, hey, and they ask, I don't remember, they ask someone, they're like, is this a story? You know, in Romanian. <laughs> and we're like, ah, and everybody got super uncomfortable and they're like, we're getting on the bus. <laughs> so people started getting on the bus. Like, this is, we don't want to say anything we're not supposed to. Like, <laughs> you know, like these Americans <laughs> fleeing the country. And someone like later on found out, they, they ended up like asking our director questions and like our, our security director as well. Like, you know, what's going on, you know? And so they answered their questions, but um, like someone got a hold of the footage and online and that we saw that they were like, oh, Italians fleeing Moldova, you know? <laughs> and we're like, we're not Italians, but okay. <laughs> Yeah, then, like, that night, all of the hotels were shut down, you know, and, and everybody was under quarantine, and it was, like, we were the only people allowed to be in the, the hotel, and it was, like, if you need to go out, you know, go out in, like, ones or twos. Like, no no groups outside, also no groups in the lobby. Like, we couldn't get in trouble, like, from the police, because, you know, we have the special permission from the government, you know, to be here, but... Also, we don't want to, like, you know, make a scene or anything. And so we ended up hanging out for a couple more days. And it was like, okay, we've got a flight. Just kidding. We don't have a flight, you know. And it was just back and forth. And, you know, because it was like we had they had to, like, do logistics with, like, you know, the air, the actual airline, the actual the airport that they're leaving from, our airport, United States airport, and then, like, whoever we we're going to do our stop in through. And it was like, just crazy, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what exactly, how do we get out of here? And so through that time, we had emotions up and down, you know, we had people, you know, laughing, we had people crying. On the fourth day, we were told the people who were there for only nine months, um, actually, we're going to do your close of service um, paperwork now. Like, and it was kind of, and it came from our medical officer, and it was like, here, just sign all these paper, you know, papers, and, you know, we need to get this done. And so all like we were just we were kind of devastated because we were promised that we would be coming back. But then through like during that time, the order came down from like all of, you know, from Peace Corps headquarters. Actually, we're getting like we're closing down. You know, we're sending everyone across the globe home, you know, close the service all across. 
And so, you know, we were led to believe one thing, you know, from our country, which is exactly what they thought, but then it changed. And so they felt really bad. And like the staff was so supportive, you know, like, we're so sorry, guys, we love you. Like, we want you to come back. And this doesn't mean goodbye. Like, this just means something else. Like, you guys can come again later. We like, we don't know. I don't know. So we had emotions up and down. And it was like I knew in my heart that we weren't going to be coming back right away, even though everyone was saying, we'll be back in like a month, you know. Like, once this all blows over, we'll be back in a month. It's March, April, May, June, July, August, September. You know, it's been six months. And, like, we still have no end in sight. And so, you know, I mean, it's it's a crazy time right now. You know, I, I feel bad because, you know, I left some people behind that, you know, I really love. So it's hard. And yeah, so coming back, it was, you know, I, I cried a lot thinking like, I want to go back and like be with my, you know, my new family over there. And then I, I miss my family here too, you know, so it's it's been a both good and bad, you know, like. I miss, like, learning Romanian, too, because it was hard for me to learn Romanian. And then to, like, just be, you know, cut out right away, it was like, oh, it's going to be a lot harder if I want to keep up the language, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, so that's my evacuation. You did mention that you went with your husband, so I think that brings us to our next question. Why did you join Peace Corps, and what was it like to be married during Peace Corps? Oh, yeah. So I joined Peace Corps... Let's see, my husband and I, we had a handyman business together, like from 2016 until 2000. Well, I mean, we still have it now, essentially. And it was really lucrative, and we, you know, could make our own hours, like we could take breaks whenever we wanted to, but it was also so stressful. And, you know, we were serving the people that wanted their bathrooms painted again, you know, or, you know, like, oh, can you, like, remodel my house? You know, yeah, yeah, we can. And we did, and, you know, we did, like, yeah, we did remodels, we did house flips, we did, you know, like, any type of repair you can think of. You know, after a while, I was like, why are we doing this? Why, why are we here? We're just serving these people who could do it themselves. You know, they have the money, and they can do it, and they're healthy, and they can do it themselves. So we started thinking about, like, well, how do we, you know, give back to the community more? Because, I mean, we already volunteered, like, with our church, and, and we kept thinking, like, We're missing something. Like we wanna, we wanna give back, and we wanna, you know, like try something different. In our church, in in our church, we have uh, missions, and they recommend for couples to go when they're a little bit older, you know, like out of like the family, you know, stage, you know, of life. So we're in our 30s right now, and so our church is like, well, yeah, you can go if you want, like you know, do what you want, but you know, we we would really prefer, you know, for you to like go when you're a little bit older and so we thought okay well what other avenues can we take you know that would be like us giving a lot I had heard about Peace Corps in college and I had started my application a couple of times and then I kept thinking like why would they want me I have no skills you know like I'm fresh out of college I don't know anything you know like I wasn't a health you know person I didn't have any like I didn't have a teaching English as a foreign language certificate or anything like you know I didn't have like anything that I thought they wanted or would want or that I could like give back so from you know after graduating I thought you know what I I do have some skills now I have a couple of teaching certificates like teaching English as a foreign language um, I have the experience of teaching English as a foreign language um, I also have the skills you know like if, if they need people like build something I can teach someone to build something you know 
repair, yeah, we got this, you know, whatever it is, like, I can do those things, maybe not health, like, you know, you lovely ladies, but, <laughs> you know, uh, I brought it up with my husband, and I'm like, how do you feel about doing this, and he said, yeah, I think that's a great option, like, let's look into it more, so we did, and it, for Peace Corps, we don't have as many options as couples, you know, to, like, go different places, they really, you know, prefer singles in most countries, so we just put in for wherever you want to send us, you know, send us to any country, anywhere, like doing anything you want us to do. So it wasn't, you know, like they, they're like, okay, what, what countries would you prefer? What continents would you prefer? And, you know, so we put in our preferences and I was like 100% against going to Europe, you know, like for some reason, <laughs> you know, I love like different cultures and I want to like really learn about different, like more, more different than like, you know, American cultures, you know? And so we got placed in Moldova, and I thought, where's Moldova? Like, is that like an island off of, you know, someplace? I don't know. <laughs> nope, it was landlocked, and it was, like, high up, like, you know, <laughs> like, you know, you, you get snow. And, I'm, and so I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to get snow because I live in Arizona, and I lived in California before, and I'm like, oh, yeah, winter. oh anyways so yeah we we said okay but before that we we said if we don't do this we're gonna do something else and I don't remember what it was called it's like like farming in different countries like you know volunteering your time and like doing farming or something is that wolfing or something yeah maybe wolfers or something yeah I don't know I forget now it's been like two years so I don't remember (laughs) so yeah we were like if we don't get in the Peace Corps then we'll do this and so we got in the Peace Corps, though, you know, we went through all of our interviews and uh, they're like, we're, we're going to put you in Moldova. And the interesting thing is um, my husband and I, we don't drink at all, um, you know, alcohol. Obviously, we drink water and other things. <laughs> um, but we don't drink. And Moldova is known for their, um, uh, I think it's whiskey and their wine. Like they were a like vacation spot for the Soviet Union and like. It's like vineyards everywhere, you know, be- I mean, beautiful vineyards, but everybody makes their own house wine. I don't remember what it was called in Romanian, but anyway, so they like, there's two different alcohols, you know, you have your wine, your house wine, you know, and you never know how strong it is, like how many times it's been fermented or how long it's been in the, you know, in the cellar thing. Yeah. So they're like, how are you going to handle that? And we're like, we're just going to say no, like we always do. <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> it's nothing against you. Like, it's not like. We don't, you know, whatever. We just don't drink. And so um, that w- it was uh, much easier than I thought it would be um, to say no, you know, because it's a very big part of their culture. You know, it was like, if you don't drink for me, like you're offending me, you know. And but it was mostly like they had problems with Peace Corps volunteers, like drinking with one family and then going to another house and not drinking with their, you know, with that family, you know, cause, you know, for whatever reasons. And so we're like, oh, we're just not going to do whatever, you know, so. It's fine. Like, we're fine. During our interview process, they said, you know, can you spend 10 weeks apart? And we're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Like, <laughs> I mean, because uh, throughout our marriage, like, I had taken, you know, like, time, like, to go and pursue other avenues, you know, like, like a month or month and a half or so, you know, like, 
trying this, you know, career out, you know, in some other state, you know, trying to like doing training or seeing if I wanted to do that or, you know, over here doing something else. And it's like, yeah, we can spend time apart. We're fine. Like they were going to give us phones and also more than likely we would have internet. Yeah. Like I can just call him. It's fine. You know, whatever. So for the first 10 weeks, we, we spent apart doing our separate training. You know, so I was in English, you know, English education and my husband was in community development. Um, and so we did, we, you know, hung out with our different groups and, uh, we were in different villages, but everyone came together, um, in, I think it was once a week to do like, you know, a Peace Corps training. Here's our policies. Here's what's going on. You know, here's what you need to be aware of, you know, just different things like that. So we came together once a week anyways. So I got to like, you know, hang out with them for, you know, those few hours and it was fine. Being apart wasn't that difficult. Um, you know, for my husband and I just, it was weird, like sleeping alone. I'll, I'll say that, like, especially the first few, like, like the first week, I guess. I'm like, this is, you know, it's, it's, you know, it takes a little while to get used to once you're used to something else. And I also was so happy that we were separated because my, my husband has an affinity for languages and it really ticks me off. Like, <laughs> I was really happy to be away from him because he was picking up the language, you know, lickety split. And I'm like struggling hardcore. I got put in a, in a language learning group where there was a girl, she spoke English, Spanish, and Chinese. And, you know, she was like, she's one of those that like very diligent studier, you know, and I respected her so much in her language learning and like her dedication to, you know, she's like, oh yeah here's like different techniques that you can learn, you know, to like, so you can learn how to learn, you know, here's, you know, and I was like, I love you and hate you because you're so awesome, you know, and I mean, she was just flying, you know, just, and she's like, oh, I want to be proficient by the time I'm gone, you know, I'm like, I just want to be able to have a conversation, like, just get by, you know, so my husband's over there, like her, you know, just like, la, 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 this is easy, you know, and I'm like, it's not easy, so about like three, three or four weeks in and, you know, I was like learning the language, like the food, had some weird stuff. I can't even remember what like weird stuff they like wanted me to eat. I should have, I should have reminisced more. I mean, they ate a lot of fish and I don't like fish. And I remember, so the food, some of the food was weird and some of it was awesome, but also my host mom, she was like 73 and she had purple hair. And I remember when I first saw her, like, I bet that's my host mom. Cause like, it was like all the host moms coming to get, you know, their little chicks, you know, like their little babies. And they're like, oh, and they're like, oh, Jessica. And I don't, you know, I know how to say like, hello, like goodbye, you know, how are you? And like, <laughs> I, maybe I know my numbers, you know, like I don't know anything. And so she's just like, oh, yay, come, you know, like welcoming me. And she's so sweet. And like, but come to find out she like never cooked. Like, you know, I mean, she hardly ever cooked. Like her husband used to cook when he was alive and, like, she, she didn't cook, and so when she was cooking for me, it was just, like, she did her best, and it was edible, and, you know, I was so grateful for it, and so the food was weird, and I, you know, I loved her, like, as a personality, you know, she was, like, very out there, and, like, you know, community-driven, and, you know, just, a, like, a wonderful soul, like, she was just really wonderful, but her food was not as wonderful as, like, other Moldovan women, because they really know how to cook, and, you know, it's, like, spot on, you know, you love it combination of weird food and also like learning language and being stressed out and comparing myself to others and then like me I'm like 
I just need like two hours to myself to like decompress from learning all this and like new culture, new food, new language. And this one night I like, I had a major breakdown, like, you know, just like crying and like sobbing and comparing myself to others. And, you know, just being like, can I even do this? Like, I'm like, yes, I know I can, you know, like I know I can, but you know, just everything like just fell on me. Like it just felt like there was a weight, you know, and I just broke down crying and I was crying and just sobbing and praying and crying and sobbing. And, you know, I was just like, and I'm like trying to be quiet because it's like midnight <laughs> and my host mom's like in the next room, you know, and you know, I'm trying to be quiet and I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not being quiet, even though I'm trying, my heart is like muffling, like, you know, I've got my pillow, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> And so I didn't want to like go outside and cry because we were in a neighborhood and I'm sure everyone would have come. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> well, I don't know what to do. Anyways, my host mom comes in and, you know, she's got her hair in like craziness, you know, in curls and purple and what is the word? Disheveled, <laughs> disheveled, whatever. <laughs> and... <laughs> She starts yelling at me, and I'm like, why are you yelling at me? I'm crying, you know? <laughs> and, like, I, you know, I've learned a little bit more Romanian by now. It's been, like, three or four weeks, and so, you know, I can hear her say, you know, like, buna and viața, which is good, and life, you know? And I'm like, why are you yelling at me, telling me I have a good life, you know? And then she's, like, like talking about, like, I, at least from what I understood, I, I could be completely wrong, because like I said, I was struggling in the language, but I'm pretty sure she was like, look, like, you have it good, like, you're healthy, like, nobody's dying, you better stop crying right now, and I'm just like, why are you yelling at me, and I'm like, crying, and I'm like, fine, and I was just like, at one point, I was just like, fine, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done crying, you know, I mean, I had been crying for like an hour or something, I don't know, and so... Like, and she's yelling at me for, like, 20 minutes of, you know, like, longer. And then I'm, I'm like, I'm done crying. I'm done. I'm done. Like, calm down. You know, and I'm like, it's fine. And she's like, your life is amazing. And I'm like, you're right, it is. Like, leave me alone. You know, <laughs> like, please just stop yelling at me, you know. I mean, she, so, anyways, I was so mad at her. Like, but then, I mean, you know, I learned, I'm like, you're right. My life is awesome. You know, like. I've got food, I have, you know, like, a breaking down house over my head, but it's great, like, I have your love, like, obviously you love me and want me to, like, be okay, and, you know, okay, like, and I'm learning the language, you're right, I can understand that you're yelling at me about these things, you know, like, <laughs> like okay, like, it's not that bad, I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine, so finally, you know, she goes to bed, I was mad at her for a long time, though, and I felt bad. And so I had to, like, it took me a while to forgive her, you know, but I, like I said, I knew she loved me, and <laughs> I, I, even, I mean, I, I'm still a little sore about it today, and it's been over a year, you know, <laughs> but then again, something I learned, you know, about, like, Moldovan women, especially women, like, grew up in the Soviet age, age, you know, like, they went through a hard time when the Soviet Union crashed, I mean, it was like, you know, everything got taken away, like, they, all of their, um, government aid, like, all of the, the structure of their government, just, like, like, their, where their food came from, like, where their money came from, you know, it just collapsed, and, like, they had to fend for themselves for many years, and, you know, like, right now, there, there's still people that are, like, you know, like, almost 30 years later, and they're, like, I wish we were back in the Soviet Union times, like, at least we had, you know, like, good food, we had, 
you know, our, our rent was paid for, you know, like we had what we needed, but there's people here that don't have what they need. You know? And so my, my host mom was like, look, I've worked hard for what I have. You've got a good life, you know, and you're not going through the same struggles that I went through. And so I learned that like Moldovan women, like don't cry, you know, they're just strong, you know, like the older Moldovan women, not maybe my age, but you know, like those that went through that period, it was just like, we've got everything we need, you know, we have our, we have our communities, we have our friends, we have all, we have the food that we need, we have the support that we need, we have our, you know, whatever it is, like, you know, whereas before we didn't, and so that was like a learning thing, you know, for me, I'm like, I like resenting her, but then also coming to, re- re- you know, respect her, I, sh- I should be a little bit more humble, you know, I should, you're right, I, sh- I shouldn't be breaking down just because I'm comparing myself to others, you know, and putting myself down for that. And I am learning, and everybody learns at a different pace. That's that's just what it is. It's fine. Yeah, I guess it's really not. It's it's really easy to start comparing when you are in a group of people, you know, that you never met, and now you are forced to be with these people eight, nine, ten hours a day, learning all kinds of things, and then all of a sudden you're supposed to be great at every single one, and then when you are not great at every single one, then that's when you start comparing and being like starting doubting yourself and being like, can I really do this? I can, I can completely understand where you're coming from there. So you said, you know, you served for about nine months in Moldova and you and your husband prepared to do this. Can you go back to that moment when you guys decided to join Peace Corps and be like, okay, we're going to go live across the world for like 27 months. We need to pack. What was the one item that you were super happy that you actually brought back with you to Moldova? Uh, there's a couple of items that come to mind. Uh, it's really silly, I think, but, um, so uh, there's two different things. So the first one, I brought a little, it's like hard to explain. I just want to show it, you know? (laughs) Um, it's like something that fits on your, like one of your finger, you know, like digits and it has two eyeballs on it. And so it like makes your hand into a puppet, you know, kind of thing. So when you, you know, it's got like two eyes on it, you know, so I brought that for like, you know, like connecting with the kids and the kids loved it. Um, I didn't use it as much as I should have. So, but that was one thing that like I knew I had and it was goofy and I liked it, you know? And so that was one thing. And then the other thing was like, I brought a couple of spices. I brought, um, Tapatio, (laughs) the hot sauce for, you know, that's, you know, Southwest favorite. And then I also brought curry, like curry powder, just to like remind me of home and I never used it, but like Moldovans, their food is very like, like natural. Like they don't add a lot of seasoning. Like their seasonings are like garlic and dill and salt. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. so I was, I was like, I'm so happy to like just take out the seasoning from, you know, my suitcase and like smell it and be like, Oh yeah, that's home. Yeah. <laughs> and on the opposite side, what was the thing that you wish you had packed and you kind of regret that you didn't? something tiny you know they didn't really have like dr pepper you know so like or root beer like i like root beer so i mean but i'm like i'm not gonna pack a root beer so i just went without it was fine yeah so but yeah so dr pepper So you told us this hilarious story of like with your host mom and how she was yelling at you because you were crying and overwhelmed at some point during your pre-service training. But do you have a best memory or highlight from that time as well? For our swearing in ceremony, 
we like learned different dances or different songs, you know, in Romanian. So we had um, like our group decided to do it was all, it was all girls, but we decided to do a um, like a traditional Moldovan dance. And um, so we had like weeks of practice and um, we had a couple of gentlemen that decided that they didn't want to participate, even though they were in our group. So it was just like the girls that ended up doing this dance. And um, we got to dress in the traditional, like, long skirts and long, you know, long sleeve. Yeah, just like a blouse, you know, and, I mean, very beautiful. Um, and we got to learn the dance. And I think that learning the dance, because I'm very uncoordinated, so it takes me extra time, you know, um, learning the dance and performing it in front of both, you know, our our previous host parents, you know, our, our train, our pre-service training host parents, and also like our directors or our partners or, you know, and like the staff and like, it was a televised event as well. So like being able to do that, it was like, it was awesome. Like to be able, like to be able to connect and, you know, people were so proud to see, you know, like their, their culture, like being displayed through, you know, these Americans. So yeah, it was the highlight that I'd like to talk about. Um, and also we did really, I mean, we did fantastic. Wow. That's really cool that you got to do that because I know we definitely, like there are certain types of dances that we could have learned in Madagascar and we did on our own time, but we d there's definitely not like that kind of thing where it's like a cultural, like everyone kind of does it and there's garb for it. So that's really cool that you guys got to do it. And I, and it was televised. So that's awesome that it wasn't messed up or anything. Right. <laughs> then they would have witnessed it. Uh -huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what was your transition like from like pre-service training to your actual site? Or, you know, in the beginning, they're like, okay, here's what's going to happen. And so, like, five or six weeks in, we're going to take you to your site, and you'll spend a night there. You know, you don't know the language very well. Like, it's fine. You're just there to, like, get to know, you know, your host mom, like, you know, your partners or whoever else, whatever. Um, so it's just one night, and then, you know, we'll come and pick you back up. Actually, no. I think they – I don't remember. I remember taking the bus and being terrified because, you know, it's like – yeah, it, it's it's quite an experience. Uh, bumpy roads, crazy drivers, trying to find a spot in the bus to sit is like impossible. And then also there's no AC and it's like 100 degrees and humidity, you know, and they, okay, <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> oh my gosh, there's something else I want to share with you that I felt Moldovan culture. It's so interesting. Okay, can I show you now? Share it with you now? <laughs> yes, go ahead. You will probably forget if you don't say it now. So go with it. Yeah, so we learned about something called the current, and it's like current, you know, like in English, current. Many Moldovans have a superstition about like the current making people sick and like killing people, you know. And so you never had the windows open in a bus, like a routiere, is what they called it. 100 degrees outside, but then you're packed like sardines in a little bus and like you know you try to open the window and the only windows were up top and so like it, you had to like open them a certain way you know you had to like push up the front and like pull down the back so you could get like airflow on you but then you'd get yelled at right away like by some bunica or like grandma you know that's like mm, no that's not good or like a, you know a new mother that's like you're gonna get my child sick and that's not okay you know so it was like you just sweat you know you just sweat and stuck to the person next to you like it was fine you know and it's like Ooh, oh my gosh recently I saw a bus and I thought 
I miss the Rutieras, you know, I miss, I miss Moldovan buses, you know? So yeah, anyway, so, but they were like, okay, like, yeah, we had to figure out how to get there on our own. And then we had to figure out how to get there on our way back, like our, like on our own, our, on our way back. Thank goodness I went with my husband. So actually, no, on the way there, we went separately. We took two different times, like two different buses. And so it was like, oh no, we didn't. No, he just got there late. And so he sat like way in the back and I was like, I don't know where to get off. Like, are we okay? Like, it's been like two hours. Like, I'm pretty sure we're, I don't know. Ah, you know, so. So anyways, and then, yes, yeah, so we got introduced and, you know, got to talk to our, you know, host family or whatever, like, you know, five weeks in, not that I could do much talking, really didn't know the language. So my husband, Sean, did a lot of talking because he was just like, I need to practice. And I'm like, I'm too scared. I don't want to practice. I'm scared. Don't laugh at me. In terms of my language learning, probably like week eight, I was like, Jessica, stop being so scared. It's okay. Like, if you make mistakes, like, you'll learn from them faster, you know, just make a lot of mistakes. That's how these other awesome people are learning, you know, and for me, it was like an epiphany, you know, oh, I should, like, make a fool of myself and learn, you know, like, it's fine. Nice. What was your Peace Corps home like? It was way above average for Moldova. Like, it was heaven. (laughs) So my host mom, she was... Uh, yeah, my permanent host mom, you know, that was supposed to be there with, you know, for the two years. Um, her name is, her name was Lucia and she was a phenomenal cook. I mean, she actually went to school to be a professional chef and she worked at our school as like, she was like the maintenance director, but also she was like, all, she was a school lunches. She did all the parties like for the food and, so she was an amazing cook. I mean, I'm phenomenal. I, I miss her cooking all the time because I am not a very good cook. And so, you know, and also I don't want to try any, any of her recipes just because I'm like, I'm going to mess them up and it's going to ruin it. Like, I don't want, like, I just want her food. Um, but so she had built a, a house and it had four bedrooms, a hallway and like one room that was like a living room. So that, like, that was, like, the main house. So that's, like, yeah. So usually they have, like, the main house that has, like, living room, dining room, all the bedrooms, and that's it. And, like, they have, like, a built-in, it's, like, a, it's called a soba. It's, like, a built-in fireplace, but it actually, it's part of the wall. So they, they have a, a really efficient system for heating, like, especially, like, two rooms. You know, it's, like, in between the two rooms, this fireplace that you feed from the outside of the two rooms. And so, like, the... It heats up the wall first, and then the wall radiates heat for like throughout the day, you know, or throughout the night or whatever. Because um, you know they usually get like feet of snow, like I don't know how many. It's usually a pretty bad winter, um, anyways. But then on the outside they have a kitchen, and the kitchen, you know, sometimes they add on to the kitchen, and so it's like they have their main room and then they have their outdoor kitchen. And so it was interesting because my mom, my host mom, was very well off in terms that. She always had a job. She always worked really hard. She made her own money and she had, she owned her own fields, like vineyard fields. Also, she had two sons that had, um, come to the United States. And so they were, you know, they had started their own businesses and so they could send back money. And so she had a little bit of help from them, you know, but she also was just very driven, you know, like she's like, no, I don't take a day off. I'm always working, you know, and like, this is who she was. Yeah. So she ended up, 
having the kitchen, and then she added she had her bathroom because she used to have an outhouse, but then now she's got a nice bathroom with you know a flushing toilet, and she had which was very rare, um, and she had you know like a vanity, and she had a shower with a, like a hot water heater, like an on-demand hot water heater, and then. She had, like, she had added on her own bedroom, you know, like, to this kitchen, like, ensemble thing. And then she also, like, cars are very rare, and she had a car as well. So, and she washed that thing every, like, every time she, like, took it out, she washed it, washed it right after. You know, it was like, she wanted to be perfect, so she had her garage, you know. So she was, she was very rich compared, comparatively to most Moldovans who, you know, they had an outhouse, which is what my previous host mom had, was just an outhouse, and she had, like, a little external kitchen. Um, we were in heaven in terms of we had a running shower because a lot of my friends, you know, they had to shower outside, like, with a hose or with a bucket. And, I mean, it was like we were in the United States because, you know, she was so fortunate so and so hardworking, and, you know, she also had help from her family and um, very smart with her money as well, you know. Home life was awesome, and she was such a loving woman, you know, so it was like a loving loving house, loving woman. We first got to her place. She's like, okay, this is your house, which was the, you know, the one with four bedrooms and then the living room, and then this is my house, and, you know, like, you know, the kitchen and whatever, so it was like me and my husband, and, this, and so she's like, yeah, you can use whatever you want, you know, and she's like, she had, for, uh, like, she had a bed, and she had, like, a table and desks, and okay, like, great, you know, <laughs> like, this is, uh, we were expecting to share, like, a room in your house with you, she's like, no, 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 I only have my bedroom in my house, so you're not sharing that with me, you know, <laughs> so we're like, okay, like, interesting, so, and then, uh, when we moved in, or, like, we were signing, like, we signed, like, a contract for, like, living with these, you know, with our host families, and, you know, we pay rent, and we pay for food if we do choose to do that, and, um, so she was like, look, I'll take care of all the food. Don't worry about it. You know, normally Peace Corps is like, start with one meal and then, you know, like, you know, eat one meal with your family so that you can, like, bond with them and whatnot. But then, like, for, like, breakfast and lunch, like, get it on your own so you can go and explore or whatever. And, but she was so adamant about it. And also we were just like, yeah, if you want to do it, if, and if you're going to be doing it anyways, and if you want to, like, sure why not and then we didn't plan on like going out much anyways because like I told you we're homebodies yeah we had awesome family meals together and yeah it was it was a great experience now my host or my first site for pre-service training I had an outhouse and right next to the outhouse was a shower you know in the same building and we had we collected rainwater mostly and you know it was like heated by the sun you know so and luckily it was summer and so you know I could shower outside okay dang you're like a host mom at your site is like the Mava for us in Madagascar and it was a Peace Corps house in the banking town and that's like where we go to like escape and have like a nice hot shower <laughs> every once a, like once a month or something <laughs> right like I told you I was very fortunate or whatever and also. It was like a two-minute walk to school. Maybe one minute, you know? <laughs> oh, nice. I have a question. You guys are supposed to live with your host families throughout your whole service, or at some point you can decide to go and find your own home? So in Moldova, they have really harsh winters. They recommend, like, they put us in our host family, and they recommend that we stay for, like, through winter, essentially. 
you know, they're like, yeah, you can get a place on your own, but we don't really recommend it because it's, you know, just a lot harder. And also, like, trying to get food on your own, you know, because, like, you, generally you have to travel to, like, the next town or something, you know, like, on the Routiera, it's, like, go to a, a market to, like, buy a decent food. How are you going to know how to get, like, wood to burn? Like, you don't know if the soba that's in that new house is going to work. So it's better to just, you know, that first winter at least spend with the host family that we set you with. Interesting. Oh, I can't even imagine having to go through a winter in a place with no, like, heater. Because I live one winter in D.C. and I'm like, oh, God, I cannot do this. I hate winter. So I can't even imagine, you know, having to go for looking for wood. Uh, I don't know. It, it sounds very foreign to me for some reason. I'm so glad I went to Madagascar and I was hot 24-7, sweaty, <laughs> sweaty, just eating my rice. <laughs> so it seems that your nine months were full of like awesome experiences, but can you think about three highlights throughout the time that you were in Moldova? The first one I'd like to start with is, so Moldova is known for its cheating. Cheating is widely acceptable and bribing in school is normal. Like spousal cheating or like grade cheating? Like <laughs> no, like in, in school. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna ask the same question. <laughs> no, no, not a, not adultery. I don't know about adultery. <laughs> no, no, no. Like like in school, like <laughs> like people pay for their grades sometimes, you know. So. um And so they, like, they had warned us about that in our pre-service training, you know, like, they were like, do without what you want. We, I mean, they didn't say it was like, we really hope that you can, like, curb the cheating so it won't be as prevalent, you know, where you are and, like, but they didn't actually say that, you know, like, the from the higher-ups, you know. And so it was, you know, it's like, you're here to serve the community and do what you think is best after you figure out what your community has, you know, like, talk to your community and figure out like where you guys can come together on something. I really am a big person who values honesty. Like I, I really value honesty. Um, and sometimes it hurts, but most of the time it's great. And so if, even in our school, it was cheating was very prevalent. So the way that the school school is structured. Yeah. So if your student gets like a, um, a five, which is, you know, like we can say it's 50%, you know, like if your student gets a five, then they have to take summer school with whatever class they failed. But the teacher is not paid for that. Like, they're not paid extra, you know, like, they're they're paid, like, they have, like, their salary or whatever, but that, like, during the summer months, they're supposed to be, like, preparing for school, you know, for the next school year. So the teachers don't want to spend that extra time with the student. And so they will guarantee that they get a six, you know, like, they, they'll guarantee, you know, whatever. Even if the kid fails everything, does you know, doesn't know anything, He's still going to pass because the teacher's like, this kid doesn't want to learn anyways, so why would I put more effort into this? Yeah, and then, like, in college, it's not uncommon for, you know, for students to pay for a grade. You know, they're like, here's $100, which is quite a bit of money in, you know, in Moldovan currency. I need a, you know, I need a B or I need an A or whatever, and they'll just pay it, you know, they'll pay for their grades. And it's not everywhere, but, you know, even my, um, even my partner, you know, confessed, you know, like, you know, there was one time where I was pregnant and like, I had my baby like two days before my final. And so instead of taking the test later on, like a couple weeks or whatever, 
I decided I'm just like, I'm going to be tired because I just had a baby and I'm, you know, babies take a lot of work, you know? So she's like, I paid for my grade, you know, like I'll, I'll admit it. She's like, that was the only time I've ever done it, but you know, it is a thing and it's accepted here. And so in our school, we didn't have bribing as far as I could tell, like there wasn't any like paying for grades, but there was like the idea that those who want to learn will learn. Those are the ones that get good grades, but then also the people who don't want to learn and just cheat off those that do, they got good grades. For me, it was like, look, I want to, I want to give you the grade that you deserve, you know? So if you try really hard and you're making improvements and, you know, you've studied for this, like, and you've done well, like, I want to give that to you. I don't want to give it to someone, you know, I don't want to give the same good grade to someone who doesn't care. Like, if you don't care, then accept your failing grade, period. And so, um, in my 12th grade class, 12th grade should know English. Like they start learning English at second grade and they go all the way through till 12th, 12th grade. So in 12th grade, they should know English, you know, maybe not proficiently, you know, maybe they're not like native English speakers, but they should be able to have a conversation. But I would say 90% of them did not know, like they couldn't have a conversation. You know, they could say like, hi, how are you? My name is, you know, like the, maybe the numbers past 20, maybe, you know, it was, it was very interesting because, you know, I had like three people or four people like in that class that were like, they like kind of knew English, you know, like they could be ish students, you know, in terms of like knowing. And then I had like two that were like a students and everybody else. It was like, they never tried ever, you know, because they could just cheat off of their friends. This one time, <clears throat> this one test, I was really proud because I had been like, look, here's my cheating policy. Like, if you know, if you do this, you get this. If you do this, you get this, you know. And I was very adamant, and all the students hated me, you know. <laughs> I'm like, it's fine. Like, I'm going to make honest people out of you. And so <laughs> it was awesome because one kid, you know, he's, he, you know, he cheated often. And but he this one time he didn't cheat. And he ended up getting like a 70, you know, like a seven, like some 70%. And he's like, he, like, I heard him like turn to his friend and say, like, I'm so happy because I didn't cheat on this. Like, this was, this was my victory. You know, like I did this, like I, I, I studied for this and this is the grade I got, you know? And like, it was really interesting because it was like, well, if you cheated, you would have gotten, you know, an 80%, you know, or 90 or whatever. But you didn't, you know, like he got his 70 and he's like, I feel so good about this because I earned this. And it was like, exactly. That's exactly what I want you to learn. Like, it feels good when you get it yourself, you know. And so I felt like that was that was a really big, um, like my soul was just so happy, you know, thinking like, and, it, and that happened a couple of times with different kids. But this particular one, his name was Daniel. And I'm like, oh, man, Don you got it. Like, good job. You know, like keep trying, you know, your English is like, you know, beginner level still, even though you should be advanced, but you're trying so hard. And that's exactly what I want. Like, I don't care, you know, that you're not where, you know, you should be. I'm glad that you're making progress. So it was like making that progress. Another highlight, I hosted a, um, like a kids club is what I called it. And we had like the first it was the first time I, I really wanted to just like clean up trash around the like you know the streets because it was like there was always trash around and so uh, I had a group of like 25 kids or something that showed up 
and they were so excited. I mean, we like played games and, you know, we had fun and we had a, like a trash collection competition, at, like, you know, at the end of it. And these kids, I mean, they brought back bags of trash, you know, like, and they're like, you know, and I made it like I timed it, you know, I'm like, okay, you only have 10 minutes. And like, so they're just like running around our village, you know, picking up trash and like just going at it. And I'm like, yes, this is exactly like, this is awesome. And so I'm like, you know, like one minute and they're like, and they're like freaking out and running around. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cute. Like, you know, these little third graders and, you know, like I think I had like second through fifth grade, you know, like just running around going crazy and, um, anyway, so that, that was our first meeting and they were like, we had so much fun. And I'm like, yeah, I made you guys do service. Like I made you pick up trash, you know, <laughs> like, it's fun, isn't it? It's fun to pick up trash. <laughs> uh, but, oh man, I love those kids so much. They were, uh, they were just so fun. Yeah. So <laughs> I would say that was definitely one of my highlights. I felt bad manipulating them, but also it was like, look, no, this is good for your soul. It's good for my soul. It's good for the community. Like, you guys had fun. Like, I mean, what else do you want? You know, like, everyone's winning, even though I feel a little bad. But it was fine. <laughs> but not really. You <laughs> but not really. Not yeah, really. exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, we're going to have fun doing something that you hate. Because, you know, I mean, the kids would just, like, throw things in the ground and whatever. So I, I had for uh, every week we met up, you know, and it was like, okay, so like what kind of development can we like instill in these kids? You know, what kind of service can we be like, okay, like we're going to challenge you. And so we had uh, every meeting we would go around and say one thing that we did good. So like, you know, good times that we had. So, you know, I had people that like, oh, I brought, um, I brought the grandma, you know, next door to me water from the well. And I'm like, Exactly. Like, that is fantastic. That's exactly what we need here. You know, and trying to instill in them, you know, like this, you know, trying to help each other. Like, we're, we're in this together kind of thing. Don't be in it just for yourself. Be in it for everyone. You know, it doesn't, like, it makes you feel better, too, like, when you're helping someone else, you know. So, and I often had kids, like, I cleaned my room by myself without someone telling me. And I'm like, <laughs> that's exactly it. Good job. You know, like, like start small it's fine <laughs> yeah i i think i say this all the time it's all about the small moments you know it's about the small things that they just made you so happy let's uh go back to bondova and think of one that that little moment when you were like oh my god this is fantastic this happened to me because i'm a peace corps volunteer as a peace corps volunteer some of the things that we're trying to do is you know, we're trying to figure out what the community wants and what the community needs and then helping them to do it. And my partners, I had two different partners um, that both taught English in my school. Um, and they had had previous volunteers in the past. Um, some that were like amazing and others that were, you know, just like there for fun. But they were kind of jaded in that they're like, if you want to do something, you can do it. Like, I don't really care. Like, I'm not going to change. Like, you just do you. It's fine. Um, and something that I really was, I was really excited about, uh, with both of my partners was that towards, you know, like maybe eight months in, you know, like right before I got evacuated, 
my partners were really getting really excited about a project that we were going to do together. Um, and this project would be like a revamp of the clo- uh, a closet <laughs> of the classroom. And yeah, you know, and like a restructuring of like how things were done. Um, the reason like the reason this is, was like such a highlight for me was because uh, prior to like this project that we started planning together, both my partners were just, you know, like you do what you want to do. It's fine. Like I'll, I'll support you. I mean, they were phenomenal teachers. Like they both know English really well. Like they know grammar really well. Um, you know, they, they speak English, you know, proficiently. And so they were, you know, they were great teachers if you wanted to learn from them. But, you know, they had also experienced a lot of this, like hardship and people not wanting to learn and just this, you know, like they're, they were tired of fighting. And so it was really cool at one point when we, yeah, like towards the end of my service, you know, my, my nine months, we started brainstorming for a project and they got really excited about it, you know, and it was like, I could see this change in them. Like, yeah, man, we can make a difference here. Yeah, we could do this and we can get this done. And I haven't had, you know, like new books in this long. And I haven't had like the decorations for, or like, you know, faded and torn or written on, you know, and it just like, like I could feel the excitement like in them finally, you know, and I had been working for months to like try to get them like excited, you know? And so like both of them, cause one, yeah, one of them was just like, yeah, you know, she was more hesitant than the other to like get excited about anything. And so I think like that period of time where they started taking charge and started, you know, like, Oh yeah, like I can help with this and I can help with that. And yeah, this would be fantastic. You know, instead of, yeah, yeah, you do it. You know, you do what you want, Jessica's son. You know, they were like, yeah, they started taking ownership of it. Like that was the moment I'm like, we can do this. You know, I'm here. This is why I'm here. This is exactly it. Like to help them. You know, I'm not here to just, you know, do everything or, you know, provide money or whatever. Like I'm here to like just inspire you, you know, my partners to make a change that you want, you know, that you need for your students. And so at that moment, it was like, all right, like, this is this is exciting. You know, this is why I'm here. That's really awesome. I don't think it's small because you got them to get that motivation. Like you gave them the inspiration to try something that before they probably just didn't really care to do. And so that was really cool that you kind of like helped push them or just give them the idea of like, hey, let's try this. Like you guys can do it. Let's do it. And that they were so excited to actually do it. Have you kept in contact with them to see if they're still trying to do anything, even though it's like been quarantine and everything like that? (laughs) (laughs) I have been in contact with them. And right now, honestly, they've just been struggling with keeping, you know, classes going over the Internet because it's like they have to like track people down, you know, and try to find them, see if they even have Internet at their house or, you know, like that kind of thing. So I'm hoping that, you know, in the future that they'll take that, that inspiration that we had together. Yeah. And move forward. So, and I'd be willing, you know, to help in whatever way I could like long distance. of course. <laughs> I know. Shout out to all the teachers out there who have adapted so fast to try to keep their classes going. It, they are so amazing. And I am so thankful. Like I personally don't have any kids or anything yet, but I can't even imagine what it would be like to have to go and be like, okay, I guess we're going to try to do this from home and just try to have their teacher help them. <laughs> like, I guess. Especially with other resources. 
without, you know, the box, without good connection, without knowing that the students actually have connection. Uh, you know, there is so many limitations and challenges out there that I can't even imagine how teachers are actually doing it nowadays. It's, it's very hard to imagine that. Right. Yeah, I agree. And if you don't have the platform for it, you know, if you're just using, you know, like Google Meet, it's like, yeah. well, like, you know, here's my visual aid and you just like hold something up. I hope you can see it. <laughs> kind of switching gears here. You said that your site mom was an amazing cook um, and that she cooked a lot of food. So what was your favorite dish? Oh, 100% her plichinte, plichinte kartof, which is like plichinta translated is literally like pie. Uh, and kartof is like potato. <laughs> so, so it's like mashed potatoes, like a, a bread, like croissant exterior. I don't know. And it's kind of like, oh my gosh, like flower balls. <laughs> I don't know. Balls of flour, you know, like, I don't know. She makes like this awesome, like bready, carby mix. I don't know. And then she like stuffs it with different things. So I really love the potato and then cabbage. She would put like cabbage inside and oh my gosh, it was like to die for. And she would like do like sweeter ones, like cherries inside. And that was cool too, but I really liked, you know, the, the other ones. Uh, oh my gosh. I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm salivating now thinking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, the potato one. The potato one sounds amazing. I would have loved that one. Mm, at the time of this interview, it is almost lunchtime and I haven't had breakfast. And I'm like, now I'm salivating. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, I remember that. Oh, so good. So, yeah. She would just make us, but like, towards like in winter especially, and like when there was more work to be done in springtime, she started, you know, like just making a lot of plichinte. And, like, so we would just, like, have that, you know, it was just, like, this carby deliciousness every day, you know, like, <laughs> lunch and dinner, you know. So now that we've come to a close of this uh, interview, I wanted to ask, what advice do you have for any people who are still interested in joining the Peace Corps and want to start this journey for themselves? I would say, I mean, it's going to be a developing experience for yourself and probably for your family and, you know, people you meet and inter- interact with. And I would, I would say go in it, not for yourself, but for others. And, you know, like I've talked about, like, don't compare yourself. And I know that is so hard, you know, much harder said than done, but, you know, don't compare yourself. Everybody learns at their own pace and their own way. I mean, I would say also research, research, research the country you're going to, but be open to going to anywhere. You know, there's always people that can be affected by others. And, you know, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons, you know, not just to pad your resume. Because I had quite a few people that I think were there just to pad their resume and ended up quitting early. It's like, this is a hard experience. Different language, different food, different culture. You're learning so many different things. And if you're not there, you know, for the service aspect, I think you can get lost. I think probably going with the flow is like, be ready for that. That is the the thing you have to do in Peace Corps, you know? (laughs) Yes, I agree with you 100%. You have to be very flexible. And I know that they have like, isn't their motto part of like your perseverance and resilience and resiliency and a bunch of other words that they like to tell us that there's like, this is what we aim for. But (laughs) it's true, you do need those to kind of keep going and stay strong. I do appreciate that you mentioned that not to pad your resume, 
because I think that's the thing that bothers me the most of some volunteers, where it really makes me mad when people go just to add this to a resume. And it's like two years of your life really won't make a difference to your resume unless you really enjoy this ride, you know? I, yeah, I would definitely say those who went to make a difference rather than to have fun or to pad the resume, those are the people that grew and changed and become, you know, better people through their service and they affect the world much more. So I want to thank you so much, Jessica, for having this interview with us, for telling your tale. It's been so fun hearing you like talk about your different stories and hearing about what's happening only because it's just how you tell it is so fun. So I really want to say thank you so much for coming here and being one of our interviewees and helping us with our podcast and continuing it going. Yeah, I've really appreciated, you know, talking to you ladies and getting to know you and hearing a little bit of your stories from Madagascar. Um, so I appreciate what you guys are doing here too. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. It, yeah, to me, it was really fun. You are very animated, just like Selena and I are. So I think that that's why we were so entertained. I can almost picture what you were describing. Like Sometimes I was like, okay, maybe I can see Jessica in this situation. <laughs> so it was really fun. It was really, really fun. <laughs> yeah, so to all our listeners, if you want to see some photos and show notes of Jessica's service, uh, they'll be on our website at peacecoretalespodcast.weebly.com. W-E-E-B-L-Y dot com. Also on our Instagram, if you want to connect us that way, we'll tell you when our new episodes are up. It is a PC Tales podcast. So yeah, thank you again, everyone, for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day, night, whenever you listen to this. But velume, until next time. Bye. Velume abe. Amen manara kakua.